Unprepared to engage Mormon missionaries when they knock on your door? Perhaps the book Mormonism 101 will help. Mormonism 101, published by Baker Book. Available at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Ronald A. Rasband, he's a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He gave a talk in General Conference, and you can find the transcript of this message in the November 2021 edition of Leahona Magazine. His message was titled, The Things of My Soul. He starts off by talking about a statement that was made by Nephi. Now, Nephi, of course, is a character in the Book of Mormon. He's citing from 2 Nephi 4.16 in the Book of Mormon, where Nephi allegedly said, and I say allegedly because there's no evidence that Nephi ever existed. There's no evidence that Nephites ever existed. But this is what Ronald Rasband believes, as do all Latter-day Saints. He cites Nephi, who said, supposedly, Behold, my soul delighteth in the things, and things is in italics in this transcript, in the things of the Lord, and my heart pondereth continually upon the things, again in italics, which I have seen and heard. Rasban goes on to say, Nephi's words raise the questions, what? things do you ponder? What things really matter to you? What are the things of your soul? Now, Eric, when I went through this talk that Mr. Rasban gave, he's going to list some of the things that should really matter to the Latter-day Saint because they matter to Ronald A. Rasban. I don't really have a big problem with that. In fact, these questions here, what things do you ponder? What things really matter to you? What are the things of your soul? Are really not unique questions. And what I mean by that is even within our New Testament Christian circles, I would argue that these are probably questions that we have all asked ourselves personally and probably have been asked from our pulpits by pastors who are concerned for their flock. And I'm not saying that Rasban isn't concerned for his flock. I'm sure he is. I'm sure all the leaders in the church have a concern for for members of their church. But what things do you ponder? What things really matter to you? What are the things of your soul? And This is what he's going to talk about. Now, first of all, when we were prepping for this show, one of the things that we have asked Latter-day Saints on numerous occasions is, if you were to die, what are the things that matter to you? What do you hope to have in the next life? What are you expecting in the next life? What do you want What's the most common answer that we receive from Latter-day Saints? And you and I have talked to hundreds of them over years, and it seems to be a pattern that we have seen over and over again. 
I certainly have seen that when I do temple open house outreaches. And so we're standing right outside the temple. And that temple is so important for Latter-day Saints to be able to go through for themselves, to be able to do that also for the dead. And 100% of the time, I would say, if they were to be asked that question, the temple is the most important thing. Why? Because it helps families come together. And so families can be together forever is, I think, probably the main motivation for the vast majority of Latter-day Saints. So the the answer really is is to be with their family. And, of course, the temple is the means for which that's going to happen in the theology of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. As we've said many times before on this show, we don't normally hear Latter-day Saints when asked that question, what is it that you want in the next life? What is it you look forward to? It's never I want to be with Jesus. I long to see the face of my Savior. I want to be close to the one that saved me from my sins. That's not an answer you typically will hear from a Latter-day Saint. I would venture to say, though, for a New Testament Christian, and I'm not talking about just a professing Christian. I'm talking about a possessing Christian, one that takes his faith seriously. You're not going to find, I want to be with my family. It's going to be, I want to see my Savior. I want to be close to my Savior. I want to reverence the one that gave his life for me and forgave me of our sins. It reminds me of that that statement that Jeffrey R. Holland, also a Mormon apostle, said in that talk that you usually see before you go visit a temple open house. He talks about how heaven wouldn't be heaven without his wife and without his kids. And of course, as New Testament Christians, we find that statement to be highly offensive, really, though I'm sure any Latter-day Saint hearing Jeffrey Holland say something like that would probably just say, see how he loves his family, as if somehow I don't love my family, you don't love your family, because first and foremost, in our desires for the next life is to be with Jesus? Of course, that's silly. Of course, we'd love to see our families be saved, but naturally, that is not going to be first and foremost on our list of expectations in the next life. When he says that without my family, it would not be heaven for me, uh, well, you have to understand, Jesus is not just chopped liver. Jesus is something very special, and family members certainly want to see them in the next life, but it's their responsibility to have a faith. And in Mormonism, you can't have somebody go into the celestial kingdom on the coattails of another person. So as adamant and as faithful as Jeffrey R. Holland and his wife might be, they can't verify that their entire family is going to be with them anyway. And I think you raise a good point, and we've said it before on this show. If your desire for your bliss in the next life is is in a human being, you could very well be very, very disappointed. And if your spouse, for instance, has some kind of secret sin that you were not aware of, if Mormonism is true, that spouse will not be in the celestial kingdom to share your eternity. If that was your hope and expectation, you're going to be awfully disappointed if your kids are not living up to the expectations that the LDS Church has put down for its membership. And if Mormonism is true, they're not going to be there. If you're not living up to the expectations of your church, and you have secret sin, known to you, of course, but maybe not known to your spouse, not known to your kids, you won't be there. You're going to disappoint them, just as they have every opportunity to possibly disappoint you. I just think it's tragic that... So many Latter-day Saints have that for their first and foremost desire. And 
Now, Rasband's going to go on, and he's going to cite 17th President Russell M. Nelson. Now, he cites Nelson five times in this talk. And we did notice in the October General Conference, Nelson gets a lot of mentions. Over and over, we're hearing Russell M. Nelson has said, Russell M. Nelson said this, and it's becoming quite a pattern. But he cites Nelson five times, and what's his first citation of Russell M. Nelson? Take your questions to the Lord and to other faithful sources. Study with the desire to believe, and that's in italics, rather than with the hope that you can find a flaw in the fabric of a prophet's life or a discrepancy in your scriptures. Stop increasing your doubts by rehearsing them with doubters. Allow the Lord to lead you on your journey of spiritual discovery. Now, this statement by Russell M. Nelson, again, is not unique. We've heard this from other leaders in time past. This whole thing about doubting your doubts and don't doubt your faith, this goes back to Dieter F. Uchtdorf several years ago, I believe when he was a member of the First Presidency. He now serves as an apostle in the LDS Church. But when Nelson says, allow the Lord to lead you on your journey of spiritual discovery. What if the Lord is leading you on a, on a journey of spiritual discovery that should include some of these doubts that you might be having? Because when Nelson says, don't look for flaws in the fabric of a prophet's life or a discrepancy in the scriptures. So when I read that, I thought, You mean I'm not supposed to take into consideration, if I'm going to be a faithful Latter-day Saint, that the founder of my church lied to his wife about having several plural wives, telling Emma, his first wife, that those rumors were not true, that even when she had a hint and kind of knew what was going on, he still denied it. And even when she seemed to succumb to the idea of polygamy, he was still deceiving her to a certain extent. I'm also supposed to take lightly the fact that past presidents taught things that I'm not supposed to believe now, but yet I'm told that these men all are inspired by God, and when they speak in general conference, that this is supposed to be the mind and the will of the Lord, even though it's clear to see that they're not agreeing on some very important issues. Nelson is basically saying that shouldn't bother us. And yet, I find most Latter-day Saints seem to fall right in line because they do believe that Russell M. Nelson is a prophet. And so obviously whatever he says seems to be taken without a whole lot of criticism. When he says, study with the desire to believe rather than with the hope you can find a flaw in the fabric of a prophet's life. And I think you're right. Uh, That possibly could be referring to Joseph Smith because he's the most scrutinized in the last six years since the Gospel Topics essays have come out or a discrepancy in the scriptures. My thinking is, is this what the Bible teaches? Does the Bible say that belief is more important than the truth? Because I don't see that. First Thessalonians 5.21 says that we're supposed to test everything. First John 4.1 says that we're supposed to test the prophets and test anybody who says that they uh, are true because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I look at Acts chapter 8. 17 verse 11, where it says that the Bereans were considered to be more noble than the Thessalonians. Why? Because they wanted to make sure that what Paul was saying was true, so they tested him. These are the things that the Bible seems to show that it's more important to believe in something that is true rather than to have belief 
just for the sake of believing. Well, Eric, let me ask you this. Do you really think that most Latter-day Saints are purposely looking for a flaw in the fabric of a prophet's life or a discrepancy in the scriptures? Now, there may be some that are like that. Maybe they've already had enough doubts, and now they're kind of making their case as to why they probably should leave the LDS Church. But I don't think most Latter-day Saints are really looking for flaws in the prophet's life. I don't think they're purposely looking for some kind of discrepancy in the scriptures. I think he's making maybe a straw man here. But when he says, allow the Lord to lead you on your journey of spiritual discovery, how can you exclude some of the things that you found about Joseph Smith's behavior or Brigham Young's behavior for that matter? How can you ignore problems, let's say, in the Book of Mormon or problems in the Book of Abraham, for instance? Or even how so much of what Mormonism teaches contradicts the Bible. And when you read the Bible for what it is and you look at what Mormonism teaches, I think that's a problem that many former Latter-day Saints can point to, that somebody like Michael Wilder of Adams Road Ministry, who read the New Testament a dozen times during his mission and found out that what he believed for all those years was not true. Rasband's going to go on and tell the story about a conversation that he had with an LDS female member. And so we're going to begin tomorrow's show with that story, because that story really launches what he plans to talk about in this conference message. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.